Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Robert. And I'm Daniel. Hello. Hello. <laughs> well, we're here to do our 2018 wrap-up. Yes, but before we do that, how was Christmas? I loved it. How was yours? <laughs> That's it? I loved it. How was I yours? <laughs> I, you know, I really enjoyed Christmas this year. It, it did kind of sneak up on me, personally, anyway, and I wasn't quite ready for it, but mm-hmm. um, it was nice being able to just, like, drop everything for two days, you know, when nobody kind of has anything else going on. Did you, were you feeling the Christmas spirit? No. No, not no. at all. I mean, you you like oomphed it a little bit, like when you started playing Christmas music and it felt nice. I mean, yeah. I was definitely feeling festive, but I was like stressed about cooking and gift wrapping and like, you know, carrying things. And, you know, so it um, I, I kind of don't feel completely at ease until it, everything's just like where it needs to be. Right. Because then I don't have to worry about anything else. So, yeah, I think that um. I know that on Christmas Eve when we were like cooking and doing all that stuff up until the last minute when mm-hmm. we left to go to your dad's apartment, um, that definitely snuck up on us because we were totally getting mm-hmm. ready to do, I don't know, like a marathon of something. Mm-hmm. And we were like, wait a minute, it's two o'clock. We need to start cooking. What are yeah. we doing? Yeah. I don't know. It just, it was a weird um, few days, but I, I did enjoy myself and you, like you were in the Christmas spirit this year, which is not typically your I was like thing. I sort of felt like an imposter. I'm not going to lie about mm. it. Um, but because I don't really like Christmas music mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know. To me, I, I've, I've made that transition from child to adult with Christmas Mm. Where it's like, this is totally a child's holiday. And, you know, they're excited about all of the gifts they're going to get. And I I remember the excitement. And I remember how fun Christmas was as a child. And I just have to come to terms with the fact that it's not going to be the same mm-hmm. as an adult. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like with each Christmas that passes, uh, we get just, or I get just a little bit more like comfortable with the idea of what Christmas is supposed to be like as an adult. And I like that, you know, cause I don't, um, I don't know, like, of course getting gifts is fun. I would be completely mm-hmm. like, I would be the biggest liar if I said that getting gifts is, not, I don't think about the presents. Like that's a lie. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I like, oh, it's not about the presents for me. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I, I, um, 
if I, I hope this makes sense. I don't really, I don't necessarily care about the presents. However, when the time comes to exchange presents, I, I want to be able to participate, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So it kind of is about the presence because we've all made this, um, we've all made this agreement that we're going to exchange presents. So there's no. that. Um, but I am more, I am more interested in the, um, in like the quality time that's spent with family mm-hmm. at Christmas. Um, and I, I, this is the first year where I was sort of like, melancholy about not seeing my own family Mm. which is weird like weird beyond weird i don't i don't know i i don't ever feel uh sad about not seeing my family for the holidays because i recognize that when that has happened in the past seeing my family for that one day of the year means i have to see them for the days before and then for several (laughs) days after and like while for some people it's great uh, I want a break. Like you can get a break, and you can get a break if you live in the same city. Of course, but we don't. We don't live in the same city mm-hmm. as my family. So, or you rent that. a car when you go wherever you go, and then you can be on your merry way occasionally. You I know? will say that that was a more freeing experience. However, when we rented the car, it wasn't a holiday. We were there for my dad's birthday, so it was very different. Absolutely. And, and then the other thing that happens is that your family like signs you up for all of these activities that you're like, nah, I really don't want to do that. And then the guilt sets in. And mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I guess I do have to go to this like friend of my mom's house for tea and just sit there and pretend. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not mm-hmm. something that has actually happened, but like my mom does make friends in all kinds of places, and then we end up having to have conversations with people. They that, get inflicted on you. So, well, I mean, to say that is like they're a terrible person, but it's more like I'm here to spend time with these people over here, and you're lovely. Like, you, ma'am, mm-hmm. you're lovely. However, like, you, I didn't come here to see you. Yeah. So, you like, found who this. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that was a new emotion for me this year. Mm. I did not expect to feel sad about not seeing my family. Mm-hmm. And I think it came it came through in any um, like basically any Christmas movie I watched where there was uh, like a group of like a, uh, a a group scene with family. I would be like, oh, that looks nice. You know, mm-hmm. I think more than anything, if we spent more time with your family over the holidays, it would distract me completely mm. from seeing my family. I'll just sign us up. Well, but they don't really do anything like Christmas Eve was great. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I had a really good time on Christmas Eve. But then, like, we don't do anything on Christmas Day. No. With your family. Yeah. I kind of wish we did. Well, I mean, yeah. Or, or, or I kind of wish that we had, like, a big group of friends that would, like, you know, kind of like when we used to go to Ruby's. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. <laughs> that was fun. I yeah, really it was like, fun. I looked forward to that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Anyway, I just, like, I want inter- to interact with other humans. Yeah. <laughs> instead of being a hermit for some reason around christmas that's just it's like what's happening who am i um but we did uh we did end up uh we saw Kesa. yeah we had lady quesadilla over for christmas quesadilla sorry we had lady quesadilla over for dinner on christmas day which was nice and uh world of wonder had blessed us with this quote-unquote accidental leak of the third episode of uh drag race all-stars yes. season four so we watched that and did a recap with Kesa on 
Christmas Day. Yes. So it's kind of like a Christmas present. Yes. So you will fun. hear her. You'll you'll hear her on our recap yes. on Monday. On New Year's Eve. Um. Yes. And yeah, it was fun. It was fun seeing her. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, I I have a weird thing with like third wheel happening. You know, like where where someone ends up feeling like the third wheel. I think Kesa thought Ari was coming over too. Which oh, you know, well, that's not what happened. But. Um, and we saw Ari today on yeah today well today when we're recording this recording this on the 26th Mm -hmm. so we just (gasps) which um, is also our 8 year anniversary of meeting each other is today's the anniversary of our first date Mm -hmm. that um, so yeah, but we did get to see Ari. We went to the mall with her and, you know, did a little twirl around the mall. That was mm-hmm. fun. It was cute. Um, but yeah, I wish, you know, it's a, it's a weird wish, but it's my Christmas wish, um, that our friends were a little less busy mm-hmm. so that they could get together and, you know, I know. Well, we next year, maybe we get together. plan far in advance. Well, okay. And sure. set aside. I just, I know that everyone has plans that take them to different mm-hmm. parts of the country. Like, for example, Pissy's brothers now live in North Carolina. I know. Right? So, th- of course, Pissy's going to want to see her mm-hmm. brothers for the for the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's going to be, that's probably mm-hmm. going to be a normal thing now that Pissy goes to see her brothers yeah. after Christmas Day. Like, so, yeah. that's the whole thing is like, I get it. You want to mm-hmm. be with family. Yeah. I think that next year we should plan a Christmas party like we did when we first moved into this apartment. Mm-hmm. And I think we did it the, the weekend before. Like, like not the weekend before Christmas, but the weekend before the weekend before Christmas. I mean, we can literally do it in October if you want. But, like, I just want to plan it and have it actually happen. Um, so that's on the list for 2019 oh. is to have a Christmas yeah. gathering. And you have your ugly sweater ready. So. I do. I do. I got to wear it. I don't, I don't think it's ugly, but like, well, you but know. it would fall under the, right. You know, it would fall under that category mm-hmm. if you were looking for it in a store. Um, I got to wear my divine Christmas sweater to Pissy's show. Yeah. Um, which we love. Which is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely it was fantastic. So good. And it was fucking sold out. Mm-hmm. Did we already talk about this on the podcast? I don't remember if we did. I don't think we had an opportunity to do it. No, we didn't. No. Um Wait, yeah, so congratulations to Pissy and yep. Sherry. That was like It was amazing. Also, yeah. I will never like Pissy's rendition of um I saw Daddy kissing Santa Claus or I yeah. saw mommy kissing Thank Santa you, Claus. yeah. Is um it's now it's the classic. Like that's the that that's the right version i think yeah. from now on yeah there are some great clips from the show on her youtube channel mm-hmm. so you should definitely go check those out yeah. um we also got a chance to see mary poppins returns and this was kind of the highlight for me really yes because i don't know lately i'm just like ugh, i have to leave the apartment and like go sit somewhere to watch a movie and you know whatever right so when you suggested um going uh to see mary poppins um i was like okay maybe um and we also oh so before that we also had dinner with one of our listeners who interviewed us for his uh dissertation yes which was very interesting it was really nice to put a like a a, like a a physical body to the face and voice (laughs) that we talked to over skype so that was a lot of fun um yes but i I just I really enjoyed it. I, I was skeptical at first, but Mary Poppins, you're of Mary Poppins. Okay. No, no, not 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 our listener. He was yeah. delightful. Yes. Um, but um, I loved that they kept like 
the style was really similar and the animation too because like that was such a big part of the you know like the the first movie so mm-hmm. to to keep that kind of vintage style i guess of animation was really important yeah um and they didn't try and like update things you know i mean i i think the closest we got to that was that you know lin-manuel miranda wasn't a chimney sweep he was a lamplighter right or a leary um so it was good i thought emily blunt was great it was it was just fun they were both fantastic you know yeah yeah and the kids were adorable Yes. Like, they were really good. The kids in this version are far more likable than in Absolutely. the original. Yeah. Um, um, I will say, uh, yeah, I really appreciated that they did not update the animation. It's that same, like, sort of uh, two-dimensional mm-hmm. animation that is from the first movie. And you know what? It works. Like, you don't feel like you're trapped in the past. No. I'm a little confused about uh the year like the year they're living in in the movie mm-hmm. because it seems like it's only i don't know maybe uh um, like 20 maybe, 25 years yeah maybe after. like 20 years after um after mary poppins leaves them because the kids are what in their 40s so maybe it was mm. a little more than that maybe it's like maybe. 30 or so years um but uh yeah i, I mean that doesn't necessarily get in your way of enjoying the movie. I'm just curious as to what, you know, like what they wanted to do it, in terms of it's a timeline. It's in 1935. Oh, okay. So, so the then, original was 1910? 1910. Yeah. So it was during the Great Depression. Oh. That's the Great Slump. That's how it was known in, in the UK, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Because mm-hmm. they do mention during the Great Slump, which yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I did not realize that Lynn manuel Miranda was um, so uh, charming and attractive. I definitely have a very big crush on him now after watching <laughs> him in Mary Poppins. Um, and it helps. I mean, I don't know if it helps, but he wore these really tight pants in one of the scenes. And I was like, okay, I see you. Like, it was great. He also, they give, they give him a little moment to rap at one point because mm-hmm. he's singing for, for yeah. the whole of the movie, essentially. Um, so I, I really enjoyed him in this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And we hadn't been to the movies in a very long time. Yeah, it's been a while. And we went to... Um, Ooh, the Landmark. Um, the Landmark on 57. Yeah. And it was a brand new... I mean, I don't know if you felt this. But, so it was a brand new movie theater. And it felt like the um, the audio from the film was like on the floor, on the wall. Yeah, it was really good audio. It was very immersive. Yes, it was very yeah. immersive. Um, although I kind of didn't appreciate that the we were watching the movie like in letterbox. Like cover that shit up. That's what other movie theaters do. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. I just I I really was enthralled by the movie. Um yeah, it was it was great. It was a great experience. I'm so I'm so happy that we got to go to the movies because that's such a rare treat mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Um let's talk about some some stuff we learned in twenty eighteen that we wanna take with us to twenty nineteen. Because we're going to be talking about the best of 2018 yes. in this episode. Um, how do you? What do you? What do you think? How do you feel? Oy. Um. What did I learn? Um. Hmm. I mean, if you want me to go first, you can say. Well, that, no, because I, I I have something in my. Well, you go first, and then I'll. Well, my big. I think my big New Year's resolution uh, last year was to have a better relationship with food, and even though it took 
like three quarters of the year for us to get there. I feel like now that we're doing keto, I have a better understanding of how to eat essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and also having recently gone off keto for a meal, I understand like limits in terms of my appetite, which is something that I didn't like, it sounds, it, it, it sounds like really easy, but like I did not understand limits when it came to eating. And so now I can physically feel those limits mm-hmm. when I'm eating anything. It's funny cause I hadn't even thought about that, but it is true. It's kind of like. I, I do feel since we started this and, you know, we're not tracking or, or you know, being very, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like we're not micromanaging it, I guess is the best word I can think of. But it's like the difference is there. I feel better. You feel better. We've lost a ton of weight. Um, but there's something about this like past week of, of kind of, you know, cheating here and there and like maybe having rice and beans, you know, with your meal, but a little bit, it's, for me, it's really helped me reinforce my own portion control. Yeah. Because even when we're eating keto, because I'm paying closer attention to what goes into my food and I feel like whatever diet or or way of eating we had chosen, I'd probably do the same thing, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of a good balance for me personally. And so I don't feel like I need to sit there and eat a whole bag of this or a whole serving of this like I'm you know when I feel like I'm about to be too full like I know to stop whereas before it would be like you know shovel it shovel all that food in until you can't you know until you can see the plate again and now I serve myself smaller portions I you know it's um and and I honestly think it's because snacking and junk food we were eating before I really feel like a lot of that just makes you more hungry. Yeah. You know, like it just, it, it's not actually satisfying your body. So like you're eating more and then you eat more food. And anyway, so I've, I've noticed that change personally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I mm-hmm. totally agree with you. Um, yeah. I, um, yeah, I'm excited about, you know, in 2019, I do want to track my meals and I want to pay more attention to, um, to that. And I also want to, start exercising like that's going to be mm-hmm. one of the things that i incorporate into this but but we'll get to that we're yeah. not we're not at that point yet um was there something you wanted to add to to that or no you said you were thinking of something oh yeah yeah, yeah. i was waiting um so i guess i would say that what i'm 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 taking my my newfound understanding of my self-worth <laughs> Into 2019, um, okay. because having transitioned out of the nonprofit field into the for-profit field um, a few months ago, it's it's always been a struggle my entire career to balance my love of what I do with, you know, to kind of reconcile that with low pay or, you know, something that's far too demanding for the the compensation that I'm being offered. And then I've learned to just not take compensation that I'm being offered, but rather demand the compensation that I believe I'm worth. And, 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 you know, it doesn't, it's it's not just money. It's kind of across the board. And so having had this big transition earlier this year um, has really affected me a lot because I look back and I'm like, wow, I could have like done this a lot sooner and just kind of, you know, just really, looked outside of my own narrow concept of what I could do that would satisfy my career goal, my career goals. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I think I, I'm going to find a way to apply that to kind of every aspect of my life because I was, you know, staying in places way too long, 
hoping things would change and they weren't and it was taking a toll on me. So now I'm, you know, trying to change that. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that. that, you know, understanding your worth and demanding what you think you're worth mm-hmm. is, is a big part of, um, it's a, a big part of, uh, of growing within your own field. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like a grown up now. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's very different, but, you know, I'm I'm the work I'm putting in is being matched by, you know, compensation, compensation and yeah. other things as well. So, right. Yeah, definitely that um, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about our list of the best of 2018. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the key key going. We're back, and it's time to talk about the best of 2018. Um, what did you? Uh, what, what went through your mind when you were creating your your uh, your con- your contributions to this list? Okay, first of all, I was very confused by what because I I don't I don't I don't look back like that very okay. often. Like I don't I don't think about like oh what was great this year. I just kind of like keep on going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started to dig, I realized that there was a lot that happened mm-hmm. in terms of media and you know other things this year that really stood out to me. Um, and it was also interesting when we compared our lists that they were quite similar save for like a right. thing here and there. Yeah. Um so yeah, that was the thing. It's just like, oh, well, of course, this was great this year. And, right. you know, this was amazing and entertaining. I thought about the things that happened, I guess, early in the year that stayed with me throughout the entire mm-hmm. year or things that uh, that just happened like a month or two ago mm-hmm. that I know I'll be referencing in February of next yeah. year. So um, that's sort of where my mind was at. Mm-hmm. Do we want to jump into this list? Sure. Um, just... Uh, just as a note, this is in no particular order. Yes. It's just the way that the list was uh, created. It's basically a mix of pop culture things yes. that we enjoy this year. And it's not like an exhaustive no, list not either because there's a lot of other stuff, but you know. Not at all. Um, so the first thing, the first item on our list is Invasion of Privacy by Cardi B. It was the album that everyone was waiting for. It was, you know, in my opinion, one of the best rap albums that came out in 2018. And I listened to it every day all the way through at least once. Wow. So there's that. It just, it, it really is such a good album. And I am not somebody who is into rap or has ever you know, been into rap or followed it, but yeah. there's something about Cardi B that's so attention grabbing, but also there's like a payoff when you listen to her music. Right. You know, like you're, you're really listening to how creative she is and how, um, self-possessed yeah. she is, which I really enjoy. Um, I also think there's a huge unexpected element to how, good this album is yeah absolutely and you know what whether she has ghost writers or not the fact that her team was able because let's be honest the world lives for beyonce 
Oh, absolutely. But she is being she is being pieced together by a very strong and capable team. And, you know, it just it just happens to be that she is an excellent, I guess, mouthpiece for all of the stuff that Mm -hmm. comes out. Um, So everyone needs, you know, every artist should be working with a team. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the to me, that's the best way to take all of an artist's good ideas and polish them to the point where they're perfect Mm -hmm. and put them out. Especially if you want it to sell. Right. Because, you know, at the end of the day. Like a lot of this stuff, you know, changes how people look at different issues and they do impact culture. But if it's not being, you know, like fine tuned and, and going through kind of the, these processes to be marketed properly so that the message gets out there. Yeah. Then it gets lost. Right. right. You know, and I think that Cardi is being managed and kind of um, directed by the right people. Yeah. It sounds like. I think that a big part of it is her her work ethic. Mm-hmm. She has a very strong work ethic, and that dictates how her team, I guess, that dictates the way that her team puts everything together and mm-hmm. how they, you know, like, basically everything that goes on, it's dictated by her. So, yeah. Well, she's always working. Right. They're always working. Right. So, yeah. You know. Um. Next on our list is Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet, <sighs> which for me was probably the like the the most exciting piece of or you know kind of musical thing to come out this year. Right. Because like it was like a new Janelle Monet, you know, and she was kind of in you know embracing her queerness and making a um a declaration i think with this album and mm-hmm. then also the you know the emotion film that came along with it mm-hmm. it was uh, in you know many ways a very strong narrative yes that makes it stand alone stand alone or rather apart stand on its own sorry from yes. the album yes um but you know she gave us like um like you make me feel like that song is so amazing has such strong visuals it's references all the right kind of you know decades and things like that in terms of like you know it like prince influenced it and so on and so forth um but uh it was my number one like most uh most streamed song on my spotify there you go so it's such a strong solid song yes um but in general i think that janelle monet has had such a great year yes that it's like she really was one of the one of the best things of 2018 because I right. feel like her her cultural significance and presence kind of like you know rose exponentially quite mm-hmm. quickly this year. So I hope it keeps on rising. I also really enjoyed the um, the sort sort of like allegorical element to Dirty Computer where uh, her previous albums she was uh, she was a robot. And on this one, she's like, I'm a human now, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's and it and it all came came through beautifully. Yeah. And her concert was a huge highlight of the year for yeah. us. So um, we uh, we would definitely have to include mm-hmm. her in this list. Um, next on our list is Pose. Yes. Pose on FX, which is, <laughs> again, like. What do you say about this? Like, well, there's plenty to say. I know, but it's it almost defies like how important. Like it, it, it it's to me, Pose is the um, and it and it 
I, I almost don't want to say this because it's like, it's almost like you have, um, you have the celebration, you have this huge party that celebrates queer culture and it's, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it's the, the person at the helm is a cis, you mm-hmm. know, gay man, but yeah. still like a cis man, uh, white, white man. man, sorry, white man. I meant to include that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but uh, even even so, I think that given its platform and uh, and all of the amazing performances that came out of it, it's you know it's putting queerness uh, in in the spotlight mm-hmm. in the most um, like beautiful, real, and fun way. Yeah, but also like not they also didn't sugarcoat the stories of yeah, these people. It's very honest. And, you know, of course there is like this glaze over it, you know, because it is a TV show. So it, it is, I but always, I always interpreted the glaze as being part of the fantasy of ball culture. Exactly. Which I, I think if you're not familiar with ball culture, it will like, you know, ball culture is about creating a space that people, you know, people who participated in, in ball culture were not allowed to inhabit outside of the ballrooms and so it is this hyper realistic incredibly you know fantastical kind of reality yeah you know and and i like that that was that was captured in a really in a really good way i think and and you know we got to meet all these you know robert said all these great actors and actresses who really i don't know like made these people real yeah and and that's what i thought was the the most important part of it because you know, I mean, it is a Ryan Murphy production or project and, and he can, he, you know, it can go like, you know, it can go south really quickly. But he he knew it really seemed like he understood to whom this should be handed over. Yeah. You know, like have trans writers have, you know, queer people managing a lot of this because, you know, they know better than you. Trans actors playing trans characters. Exactly. You know, and all of it. Yeah. Having all, I believe all, if not almost all of your trans characters being played by trans actors, I think was very important and groundbreaking. I think that every, all of them, correct? Every trans, yeah. Yeah. Um, Every trans character was played by a trans actor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was just very powerful, I think. And like you said, the sugar, like the lack of sugar coating, I think was essential. Yeah. To tell the story properly. And to take it to a selfish place, I'm never excited about any TV show. This show, just based on the visuals that were given to us before it aired, made me really look forward Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. And similarly speaking, Black Panther, because we did not see any movies more than once in the theater this year, except for Black Panther. Like, this movie was such a fucking amazing... And I don't care for some reason. I don't care about superhero movies, but this movie made me want to care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went to see it, and it was just amazing. Like I don't, I don't even know. I could sit here and gush about it and think about all of the amazing elements of it, but you know, at the end of the day, th- Marvel and Disney did a really good job with this. All of the acting in it was excellent, and. Um, and then also seeing it in 4D was fucking amazing. Oh my God. Yeah, it that was that was such a strange, like, and wonderful experience. Yes, because I've never felt like I was immersed in a movie like that, like physically. Right, and it it really did a good job of that. Yeah, I think it was. It just it's so mm-hmm. good. I'm so excited. You know, there's 
I, I, I think that several of the characters from this movie are getting their own movies and I'm excited to see all of those. You know, again, like, like I said with Pose, it made me want to see it and then it delivered. Yeah. And the soundtrack was good. Like just mm-hmm. so many elements and it was really great. And I'm so happy that it did as mm-hmm. well as it did and that it's nominated for Golden Globes. And, you know, it's it's being seen by by a, a, a racist country. Let's yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. It's yeah. like it, it it is. And embraced and celebrated. Yeah. And, you know, so I think that that's kind of groundbreaking yeah. considering you know how people are in right. this country <laughs> right let's talk about cardi b versus Nicki minaj <sighs> i so i love this but i feel bad that i love this because like you shouldn't condone violence and of course not. you know like they're both better than this however i just like it this was just like juicy Right. You know, in evening gowns of all things. Like it was also this kind of the setting in which this happened. It was, you know, like breaking, um, I guess break, breaking like the, the image, you know, that, that, that whoever it is that, you know, like manages these two women wants them each to like uphold in public. And it was like, no, I'm pissed at you. Right. Like you're egging me on. And it's like, well, here we are. Yeah. You know, let's, hash this out i mean albeit you shouldn't throw a shoe but it 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 um it felt very real because i feel like cardi was trying to protect herself in a way that i think most people won't understand yeah you know because this wasn't just like oh i have beef with you because you said this it was just like she felt um you know like she was being goaded on on social media and being bullied on social media and well it, it was a it, it was sort of like an avalanche of different yeah it all like, it all kind you know. of like built exactly yeah. so it's like well when you see this person you want to have a conversation with them and then it escalates it's like well this is this is what happens sometimes right and so i think i think for cardi she was th- she had had several conversations with Nicki minaj prior yep. to this and none of it resulted in Nicki like you know relaxing with all of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the, what, what I guess, uh, like the impetus for the whole thing was her liking a bunch of tweets, questioning Cardi's, uh, parenting. Mm-hmm. And I understand, I understand being protective of your child and being protective of the, of your own parenting style. I just don't think that you should allow, twitter to get in your head like that especially if the person who you're aiming all of this at isn't the source of all of this stuff they're just like being petty and liking Mm -hmm. a bunch of stupid shit that they shouldn't be liking i think if anything that says to you this is not a person that deserves to be in your life and let her candle slowly blow out in this corner over here and you go be very successful and these days Nicki minaj is just doing that to herself so she keeps making horrible decisions and whatever who knows who knows what what uh 2019 will bring her because she i don't know if the tour has been canceled completely yet but her tour was supposed to start during the later half of the year, mm-hmm. and we're it not, sucks because it, it, it doesn't have she. It doesn't have to be like this. It's not like worth it. I mean, at least I think, but I'm not in it. So I I really wonder what she's thinking. Like, why is it that you can't? Why Why do you have to be the best one? Why can't you exist in a room full of successful people and just be like support, I'm part of this group? Support another woman of color. Support support each other. another female rapper. Exactly. Like, like why support Why each can't other. you do that? And like you can coexist. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. 
but you can be successful while somebody else is also being successful. Yeah. Why doesn't she understand that? But She's never understood yeah. that. It's it's a sign of very deep seated insecurities, I think. Right. So well, good luck. Hmm. Um, next on our list is the movie A Simple Favor. <sighs> Which was, again, unexpected. We went into watching it because it was suddenly available. I mean, on, I think we were like, oh, internet. that, that, you know what? Let's just watch this. Right. It, that was the decision making process behind that. Also, um, one of my favorite movies is Bridesmaids, and it was directed by the same person. So I wanted, I just, it seemed like a serious movie, and I wanted to see where it was going. Mm-hmm. And then we were fucking blown away. Like, like okay, so I, because I feel like I rediscovered. Well, I'd, I've never really paid a ton of attention to Blake Lively, but I really like Anna Kendrick. So that was kind of what pulled me in. Right. And I feel like Anna Kendrick is like a completely different actress. Like I, mm. you know, this was like a whole new. Um, this was a different character. Yeah, for her. absolutely. And so I just thought, wow, like this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Blake Lively, like there's that scene when she's when we first meet her and I was like, oh oh i see yeah i see this is where we're going and that's what really caught me because you know we we were talking about this with the other day but the first you know 15 or so minutes of the movie are kind of like all right like let's like where are we going with this and then blake lively shows up and i think that that sets the tone and you know throughout the movie the the kind of colors and clothing i think most importantly also really um kind of tell you what time it is yeah and i love when a director or like you know a like a, a crew on a movie whoever is in charge of this um puts all of that together to to make sure that the the clothing and things like that also are part of the story and yeah. help direct the story because i think that that's very complicated absolutely um it's something that you know somebody like um Armodovar just kind of does like right. that's you know if, if that's not a part of his movie it's not one of his movies um it's it's one of those things where you pick the wrong person to to, to head up the costuming and you're going from uh like chic and elegant to you know cheap and tacky yeah. very quickly very easily yeah you know? and it was very you know like blake lively and anna kendrick just lived in two different worlds absolutely completely just based on what they were wearing yeah you know and how they moved about their daily lives but i it really was so unexpected yeah like i was ready to turn it off at several points because i didn't really see where it was going um and blake lively's fashion kept bringing me back in and then eventually when you figure out what's going on you know it uh it all sort of clicks and you're like oh wow like wow so be sure to check that movie out uh Who's next on our list? <laughs> <laughs> the next on our list, and who should probably have been at the, the top of our list. our list. The next person. The next person on our list, sorry. Um, and who probably should have been at the very top was the Vixen. Yes. Or is, sorry, is the Vixen. Um, both during her time on RuPaul's Drag Race and after that. Because I feel like she turned this show into her own platform for a variety of things. I mean, there are so many, but mainly that, you know, when you feel attacked or if you feel like you are being, um, I don't know, like manipulated in any sort of way, you need to, thank you, Gasly, you need to fight back. And we've gotten opinions on both, you know, from both sides of the spectrum about how we feel about the Vixen on drag race and our support of her and, you know, all that stuff. But 
at the end of the day, I'm sure that it, it's kind of like the vixen sacrificed herself to make some sort of a difference or to or to wake some people up because obviously she did not have a good time of it on yeah. this show and it ended really horribly and you know RuPaul should be forever ashamed for the way that he behaved and that's preserved forever now but i feel like if if you watched RuPaul's Drag Race season 10 and were paying very close attention to what the vixen was doing and how she was behaving and being treated and all that there is no way that it, it, it can be said that she didn't have some sort of impact on, you know, like how I, I feel like she just really brought to light that there is just as much racism in the drag community as there is outside of it. Yes. You know, it is it is no different from any other like uh, corner of our of our lives or existence. Right. It's everywhere. Racism is ingrained in our culture. Yes. And, you know, the baiting of people of color, the gaslighting of people of color, um, you know, having to work twice as hard for half as much. It is very real. And I feel like there are so many people that are very lexidaical about this and want to say, oh, yeah, no, I don't see color. Oh, I, you know, that doesn't like, you know, we live in a post-racist society and that's bullshit. And I think that she really like, you know, like um, was there to make people realize that. She pushed a lot of things to the surface. And Mm -hmm. to me, the one, I mean, this is the only example I can really think of. Um, I feel like, so we went to two drag cons this year. Mm -hmm. We went to the one in LA and we went to the one in New York City. The one in LA was sponsored by Jeffree Star, who is a well-known racist. There are plenty of videos and plenty of examples of him using the N-word and, you know, doing it to be funny and all of this other bullshit you know, there, there are plenty of examples. There is a very well-written article somewhere on the internet that will explain all of it to you. Um, but so we saw him sponsoring DragCon in LA and then in New York, he was nowhere to be found. Yep. And I, and I choose to believe that the Vixen putting the, finally putting the, 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 you know, seeing an opportunity to be like, wait a minute, this is a problem. We're talking about it now. That set into motion a whole chain of events that led to people waking up about Jeffree Star. Yeah. And that's oh, I, that. Yeah, I absolutely believe that because he was gone, like you said. Yeah. He absolutely. wasn't even there. Was, there was no presence of Jeffree Star at Dragon in New York City. So um, I think that her, her work is going to be something that we see in future seasons yeah. and... You know what? I really, I really, really, really wish that the fans could appreciate her drag for what it is because she's a fucking hardworking queen who will take, you know, take very little and turn it into something that will blow your mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I really hope that the fans appreciate what she does because it's special, it's beautiful, and it should be celebrated. And you know at the same time she's doing all of this work and and it's important to recognize what she's done and she will she will have an impact on on the future of this show i mean i i feel like we're seeing it on all stars 4 oh yeah absolutely so it's things i think are being said in a much more from the queens to production to all that it just seems like things are being um thought about yeah a little more carefully yeah because 
There are parts we're, of season we're paying 10 attention that was just to language a, a little yeah. bit more. Romper room fuckery. Yeah. That's what we saw a lot of on season 10, I think, in terms of, you know, how issues of race were discussed specifically. Right. right. Um, so and then, yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these two things at the bottom of the list, I feel, are more like, you know, honorable mentions. Yeah. So let's breeze through them. I Feel Bad is a TV show on NBC that we enjoy. It's part of uh, it's part of like the Thursday night lineup mm-hmm. that includes Superstore, The Good Place, and Will and Grace. And I really enjoy the show. I think it's very funny. It is uh, about this Indian woman who is working really hard to keep her job that she loves and also balance that with her, uh, taking care of her family and her or her aging parents and it deals with issues of um it deals with issues of like cultural um i guess like cultural mixing i don't know if that's the right word well but like, yeah, i uh uh kind of like in, in navigating um i was gonna say biracial but that that's not nope. what we're talking about here um, although it is a biracial family right in a way but it's more um I don't I don't know. I just like inter- intersecting cultures. Yes. <laughs> I just I uh, I really it really resonates with me how mean her mother is to like how mean the mother is to the main character because I see that I've ex- I've experienced that my entire life and never seen it from outside of the situation and because like it it's coming from a place of love essentially because this is a this is a sitcom. Yeah. But um, but it's just like to see it from outside is comical to me and I really appreciate it and I'm very nervous that it's going to get canceled and I, I don't want not. it to get canceled because I think it's a really good show. Um, so check that out. And then our last honorable mention is Ariana Grande's Thank You Next, yes. um, which is her most recent single um, to come out, which I just think is fun. And it's just very um, like... <sighs> like jabby and sarcastic and kind of a different side of her i think in terms of like the music that she puts out because it's it's almost snide i think yeah and but it's i like it. it's very passive aggressive i feel like it's a bad song on purpose like it's yeah a, i i enjoy the song but i feel like it's bad on purpose yeah in a way you know like poorly just, written or sloppily written yeah i think it's it's coming from a very specific uh like viewpoint yeah i mean you know her references for the music video were like you know mean girls and legally blonde and like all of these you know very um i guess now iconic kind of i would say like teen movies yeah or whatever and and that's what the sound songs like sound jesus that's the what song? the song sounds like yeah. is you know like like a teenager you yeah. know like like just in a way yeah yeah i feel like the music video was a little overblown and per- personally i think that people were uh were so excited to see these these movies being referenced because we loved them when they came out mm-hmm. and now we get to appreciate them for a second time but i feel like there were elements to the music video that you know either could have been left out altogether or could have been fixed a little bit yeah um, there were too many references that whole opening sequence with uh, like basically trying to create the moment the the whole regina george moment from mean girls for ariana grande i feel like that could have been so much like the writing could have been so much better on that oh, moment absolutely. and yeah anyway yeah. but the song 
separate from the music video, I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to talk. Uh, and when we come back, <laughs> we're going to talk about what we're looking forward to in 2019 and make some New Year's resolutions. So stick around. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. And we're back to talk about what we're looking forward to in 2019. Yes. Do you want to kick us off? Yes. Um... So one of the things I'm looking forward to, it seems like Cardi B is working on a new album. I feel like that's a safe thing to say. Um, I believe, uh, so she posted a video of her rapping in the studio and it said, I think there was like, it was like hashtag control, but with a K. And I don't know if this is maybe the working title for her new album or what, but I want to put this out into the universe. Okay. With all of the sampling that's going on in music in general nowadays, I would love for Cardi B to record a song where she samples Maya's Case of the X and have a whole thing about Offset. Like, just get all of her frustrations about that relationship on a song where she samples Case of the X. I think that would be amazing. But what if they get back together? I think they already are back together. (sighs) If I'm like, he was on vacation with her. I mean, not recently. that like, you know, half a dozen Birkins and a couple of pairs of Louboutins are a reason to stay with somebody because she could probably, she could definitely afford that on her own. Right. But I'd be like, okay, well, you have to work harder than that. Well, I think, I think the lesson that, uh, that Offset needs to learn is that Cardi can't be bought because no. she can afford all of these expensive things on her own. Yeah. She's exactly. coming into this relationship with, you know, equal footing in terms of finances. Mm -hmm. So buying her shit, bringing her all of these uh, things of roses and interrupting a performance, that's not how you win her back. No. Sorry. You want to know how to win her back? Why don't you call me? Oh, you know? And I'll I'll tell you to They can just send the Birkins here. No, I would tell them to move on. Well, no, he can send them here (laughs) because she doesn't need them from him. I will hold on to them. Okay. I won't even use them, I promise. If you say so. Um, I don't believe for a second that you would not You would not be gifted or entrusted with a Birkin, a real Birkin, and not wear it out of the house at least once. It's a comfortable bag. It's just a hole. It's ca- you can fit everything. I mean, I wasn't questioning. I was questioning you being in possession of a Birkin and not actually wearing it. I mean, I might, I don't know. Yeah. No, who am I kidding? Yeah. That would you not. Would yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wear it. If I'm, not out of the house, you'd at least wear it around the house. Oh yeah. Just on my arm. Yeah. Just walking around. Yeah. Um, next on our list is Moulin Rouge on Broadway. Yes. Which I was surprised I, to hear about. I have been saying that this needs to turn into a Broadway musical for years, probably since it came out in like 2001. Was that when it came out? Like 2001, roughly? 
Um, I yeah, think that was I think the year. so because I was in high school when it came out. We were both. We were both. We were both in high school. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very excited because uh, Karen Olivo, who originated the role of Vanessa in uh, in the Heights, is playing Satine, mm-hmm. and she is a very talented woman of color. And I'm just. Uh, I think we're gonna we're hope we're gonna break our our Broadway uh, our Broadway ban our Broadway ban to go see Moulin Rouge. I I mean I'm very serious when I say I've been waiting for years for this to be turned into a musical. I mean it's kind of all there. Yeah, like you know it is it it, it has, is a it Broadway has musical. The, it has the temperament of a Broadway mm-hmm. musical. Absolutely, that's, that's what I was. You know, like where whereas a lot of movie musicals, when they get turned into a Broadway musical, you have to sort of like sweeten them up a little bit. This has all the components already mixed in. So you just have to, you know, do what you got to do. Create the set pieces. Hire the actors. You know, like it's, I want that it's there for you. You want that what? I want the elephant oh, that she lives inside of. I'm pretty sure that we will see a huge... Mm-hmm. elephant oh my god and it opens up like an egg yeah and just like she's in there that would be phenomenal oh, you know you know an, an elephant and a windmill mm-hmm. those are the two things we're absolutely getting do you know do is is Baz Luhrmann involved with this at all I don't know hmm. I don't know I think there are two like pop musicians that are involved with the music although it's a it's essentially um it's a jukebox musical yeah so, so I don't really there. know I'm just curious about like costumes and set pieces and you know, if they can make it as like sumptuous and they have to opulent, they have to like, look at the Um, source material. They have to, um, the next thing on our list is the live action version of the lion King, which every time I see the trailer, I get more and more emotional when they show baby Simba being uh, christened, I guess you'd call that presented, presented. Okay. Presented. Um, I'm very excited for this. I don't know why I'm very excited for this because I could very easily just watch the cartoon version and yeah. that's like just as good essentially. Also, they're all CGI. I'm excited. Yes. Right? So that's not live action to me. It is because they're not using animated, ca- they're not using an animated, like a drawn out version of, um, of, a, of mm-hmm. a lion or any of the other animals that are in the movie. It's, it's an actual, like, yes, it is CGI, but the animals look like the actual animals mm. that you would see in the jungle. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I I mean, I love The Lion King. It was one of my favorite Disney movies, um, c- cartoons rather. But it's like one of those things where like I liked the original so much. And like I didn't, I didn't think it needed anything else. Right. But I'll be interested to see, I guess, what they do with this. Because yeah. I mean... Like, are they changing the story? Is it just the same story, but with a different look? Like, Oh, I doubt they're changing the story you know? at all. And that's the thing. It's like, so you're just, you're using the same story. You're just changing the way it looks. It, it's not the most exciting thing to me. I'm but. a little confused as to why, well, I've never seen the Broadway version. Let me start there. Um, and I feel like they could just create a movie version of what goes on on Broadway. Mm-hmm. But, I think the only thing that separates the Broadway version from the animated version is the fact that it's puppetry. Like yeah. it's, it's puppetry that's done on, uh, on stage. So I don't know. I'm also curious about this Aladdin live action version that they're making. Um, so, and uh, I mean, Aladdin was never really my favorite. I enjoyed it, but you know, I'm, I'm curious. It, it seems like Disney is just like, let's turn all of our animated movies into live action films 
And I'm very, very curious about to about what they're going to do with with this one because this one seems to be the one that's like, uh, how are you going to get a bunch of fucking lions to look like they're talking? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that well, was that's the first the, thing in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> where I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. I don't know. And then also the Little Mermaid. Like, if you're gonna oh, that. I'm very I would be very excited for please please cast Queen Latifah as Ursula that is that is the most interesting um not rumor but um like fan suggestion (laughs) that I've seen on the internet yeah Queen Latifah as Ursula would be fucking amazing be fantastic yes uh what's next on our list pose again <laughs> season two yeah, pose season two i i can't wait and like you were saying earlier i i also felt that it was the one show that was like exciting yeah. where like you know like from the opening to the end you know it was just <sighs> it's the type so of amazing. show that i would go to a viewing party for yeah because it's an event to mm-hmm. me. watching it, it is an event fun watching it in absolute silence most of the time because right. you have to pay attention to everything that's being said. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to this kind of level of artistry and, and, and acting that we saw on season one and yes. season two again. So, and hopefully seeing our sister Jiggly on the I show. Again. Yes. Um, mm. And then the last thing on our list is rent live starring Valentina. Only Valentina. <laughs> She's <laughs> she the only one. Everyone. That's it. Can you imagine though? Uh, it's just a series I of quick can. changes. I can. I'm curious about uh, Vanessa Hudgens's range as uh, as Maureen. Um, Why is she in so many things? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, like, she I'm curious me. about Tinashe as Mimi. That's that's an interesting an interesting casting choice because Tinashe can really sing. Mm-hmm. Mimi doesn't need to sing. Like in theory, Vanessa Hudgens and Tinashe could maybe switch because Mimi doesn't really, really sing. Like they had Rosario Dawson play her in the movie. Let's be real. Like, yeah, you don't really need a singer to do it. But see, when I saw, I forget who was playing Mimi when I saw it on Broadway. But I I saw saw Mel B as Mimi. (sighs) That explains to you how much singing you need from Mimi. Oh, wow. Not much. Is that shade? I mean, was it? Uh, the thing is, I, I, I like the songs that Mimi sings. So do I. So to hear them sung by somebody who can actually sing yeah. is exciting. I mean, Mimi sings in a raspy sort of off-key way. That's the character. Are you sure it's the character or has it been well, people who've played the character? I don't know if it's because it was originated uh, by someone who sang that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's essentially like Harvey Firestein originating the role of Edna Turnblad in Hairspray. It's like mm-hmm. you will always associate. Well, it's not even associate. It's like, that's the way the song is sung. Mm-hmm. And, you know, John Travolta kind of taking it and trying to sing it the way you would sing it regularly. It doesn't really work. No, there's a, there's a certain campiness to the way that Harvey did it. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, that's my point with, you know, Mimi is, um, is struggling with drug addiction and, and is, you know, is essentially like going through withdrawal for big segments of the, of the show. Mm -hmm. So 
her not singing, like her singing off key is a little, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little real, like to the character. In a yeah, way. I thought about that before. Yeah. So, you can't sing so well if you're going through withdrawal. So huh. let's see what happens. I mean, <laughs> I, I just, I'm, I'm curious about it because like I said, Tinashe is talented and mm-hmm. this role is kind of, she, she's overqualified, I think, for mm. this role. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm also excited to see if, if they want to turn Mimi into somebody who can belt. Let's see it. You know, It'd be interesting. And I'm also curious to see if Valentina can really sing it. It's something that I hadn't thought about until we were talking about it yesterday with Kesa. Yeah. And she was like, how good of a singer is she really? We're going to find out. Uh, yeah. Because the visual from what we've seen is spot on. I feel like she can do it. Yeah. I'm excited. And if anything, it's like there's more visibility for, you know, the community. And I I think that that's important because it just shows you that you like you don't have to go on Drag Race and just not just. But, you know, like there are so many more avenues now open to drag artists than there were ever before. Yeah. And before this bubble bursts, they just need to like run and grab them all. Yes. You know, because this is Drag Race is not everything. Yeah. So that that's what i guess i'm how i'm looking at this yeah and it's it's kind of sad to think that there are a lot of younger queens that think that's the only avenue to success that they can mm-hmm. take there's so many other opportunities yeah. you just have to be willing to make your own to do the sometimes. work yeah yeah let's talk about new year's resolutions do you have any i uh i don't know okay i hate new year's resolutions i hate new year's i hate the whole concept of it okay but <laughs> Um, cause like, it's just another day. It's just like, keep on going. And it like, I don't know. I've said this a million and a half times, I think by now, but, um, I guess just like stick to what I'm doing right now in terms of eating and like taking care of myself, mm-hmm. you know, um, keeping the sleep schedule, you know, and, and just kind of, um, I don't know, working on more personal and professional growth in the new right. year, you know, just kind of like settle into my thirties. Yeah. Same. I would say, um, so yeah yeah i mean i i i kind of want you know aside from the like career i don't really have any career goals at the moment but in terms of creative stuff i want to do i want to do more like video stuff in 2019 and i know that um I, i i know that that's sort of on the horizon so i'm excited to put that all into motion and make some really cool shit in 2019 I also, um, I, you know, I, I, I want to stick with all of the progress we've made in terms of our eating. And mm-hmm. I also want to incorporate exercise into a regular routine and look at it as something that's just as important for my body as eating well. And, um, and then on, on top of all of that, uh, I am trying to slowly unpack the, um, the rage that I feel from uh, things that happened when I was uh, a child, basically. And so I'm trying to continue. I want to continue working on that, continue uh, processing trauma from my childhood and have it make me uh, like a better, more patient, more um, more focused adult and member of society. Hmm. So there's that. Big goals. Yes, big goals for 2019. Yeah. But you know what? I've never set a weight loss goal. Well, no, I didn't set a weight loss goal. I've never, um, I've never set a nutritional goal for myself as a New Year's resolution and then actually carried it out. This year, that happened. 
So I am Chukith, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I, I believe in myself mm-hmm. now. So I'm going to carry that on with me into 2019 and apply it to other things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of shit that I have to unpack. I've got a lot of internalized homophobia that we got to deal with. Mm. Some, uh, some racism that needs to be, you know, deprogrammed. I got some misogyny that I have to work on. It's all, it's all there. It's all little, little bits mm-hmm. and pieces that I have to put yeah. together. And, you know, like I said, I want to be a better, more I open up that fuse box. Right. And change out some of those fuses because mm-hmm. uh, they are no longer functioning. No. So I hope that I am able to accomplish, let's set a low goal, 25% of all that. Hmm. That's realistic. 25% in each corner. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. That sounds good. Well, if you, you know, 25% of four things, then that's 100% of something. <laughs> so <laughs> that's for 100%, 100% of, of everything. Yes. Basically. The aggregate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening and um, and let us know what your New Year's yeah. resolutions are. But also, thank you for like being with us through another year. Yeah. Too. Because like, it'll be five years in 2019 Ooh. in April, if I'm not mistaken. And so it, it's this has just kind of been something that we like it's part of a routine that we do, but hearing from people who listen and, you know, getting emails and things like that, it really means a lot. Um, cause we love interacting with people. Yes. Um, so we appreciate that those who listen appreciate what we talk about. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And we really do love hearing from the listeners, even when we have an opposing perspective. Well, hello. Cause like it's, you know, constructive criticism and, you know, intelligent, well, not always, but, most of the time, intelligent conversation and discussion. So that's what I think. But more importantly, most. conversation. Period. Absolutely. If we're talking, we're we at least hopefully exchanging ideas. Yeah, and that leads to change. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we are Grizzly Kiki on everything. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So be sure to follow us. You can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and we'll read them on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and catch us on Spotify. So until next time, bye. bye.